I'm Steve Lascauzo, and this is The Way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is The Way podcast. I'm not sure how to feel about what I saw this morning. I'm not sure it's okay for me to not like Star Wars if I'm a Star Wars podcaster. That certainly feels like the case sometimes. There are a lot of people out there who, like, if you don't love everything that comes out, well, then you're just not a real fan. Or why are you even watching if you hate it so much? Well, I didn't hate this episode. Now, let me explain. I haven't been feeling well lately. My sleep pattern has been really messed up, especially on Wednesdays from all this waking up early to get started on the episode and watch it and get everything set before the rest of the house wakes up. But second, maybe I'm just expecting too much out of this show. Okay, then. I think I might be setting a really high bar for my entertainment. It may be impossible for the show to reach it, but... It's definitely at least difficult to meet my own expectations, and I have no hand in the creative process. For example, I I got fooled by the previously on segment before the episode. I thought we were going to see all sorts of things. And then when I didn't see them, I was let down. Favreau and Filoni haven't promised anything, and that's not what the previously on is supposed to do. I can admit, sometimes Star Wars ventures into the silly and outrageous, and sometimes I like it. But just because I was expecting serious and carefully plotted doesn't mean I'm the one that gets to decide that's what Star Wars is for everyone. Also, though, I really didn't like a few things about this episode, and there wasn't anything that I loved to make up for those issues for me. I do want to say this. I know, Bryce Dallas Howard is the director of this episode. She directed what she was given. Jon Favreau is the writer. He speaks the truth. Let's start with positive. My most favorite part of the episode? That's probably seeing Christopher Lloyd. I'd been waiting to see who he was going to play. And, you know, he's an older guy now, so I didn't expect too much. I thought maybe we'd even get less of him than we got. So when I saw him and found out later that he was part of the Separatist movement, I was totally on board with his character development. They didn't give him a lot to do. They gave him a lot of Star Warsy jargon, and he did fine. If that isn't the Quachter calling the stifling slimy. Okay, least favorite. I don't think Lizzo can act at all. I'm sorry if you're a fan. I just... She can't act. And that, coupled with Jack Black's usual over-the-top performance, means every time those two showed up, I wanted the scenes to end fast. Actually, when Jack Black showed up for the first time, it was like, welcome, welcome. I was like, oh, it's Jack Black. But then the dynamic between... I just... Unbelievable... And, look, I like him, I just didn't like what ended up being the take on this character. If you're a fan of Lizzo, you probably loved it. Well, that doesn't mean you're right and I'm wrong because you're a fan of hers. I was looking for something else this week. Look, that's the way it is. And my opinion is, Star Wars sidelined into whimsy and comic book action 
And that's not what I wanted personally this week. I beg your pardon. This planet is unrecognizable. Since he arrived, I had a feeling you hated me. I'm disappointed in you, Commissioner. You served my family well. But Captain Bombardier is the love of my life. And I know his heart is true. Sure, he's made some mistakes in the past, but who here among us has not? Is there no room for a little bit of forgiveness in a galaxy so vast? Alright, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read to you notes that I took while and then shortly after watching the episode. And if I think I need to elaborate, I will. But I think this is going to be the best way to track how I felt about the episode. And since this is my first impressions podcast, this is the place to do it. I have spoken. Where do we start? Well, <laughs> let's start at the beginning. I really did get tricked by the previously on segment. They showed Moff Gideon. We do not see him in the episode. That doesn't mean he had to appear, but maybe even the specter of him would have been nice to have brought it, been brought up. I saw the Quarren ship at the beginning, and I don't know how many other people thought two things. Galactic Star Cruiser ad incoming, and it wasn't. But also... The ship's shape reminded me of a Quarren or Moncala head, so I felt like that design was intentional. Okay, there was a Trask reference. That was the planet in Chapter 11, I think, that they went to that was covered with water, where you know the Quarrens tricked Mando and the baby went into the water and the, that space creature or the sea creature ate it. And then Bo-Katan and Axe Woves and Koska Reeves all came to the rescue. And then at the end, they, uh, you know, stole the ship from the Imperials. That was Trask. The back of the captured Imperial ship that's chasing this corn ship when it when it showed the back, it reminded me of the scene early on in Spaceballs where it's like the never-ending ship. It just, I mean, I don't think that was a reference at all. It just reminded me of that. And when they showed the captain of the ship, I, look, I didn't remember the, the voice if Axe Woes even spoke in the, the second season. I'm not, I don't even remember that. And remember, he was only there for that one episode. Because later in the season, he wasn't with Bo-Katan when uh, Boba Fett and Din Djarin came to that cantina. So I thought we were getting Fen Rao. So I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing this. Fen Rao's going to appear. And then we didn't get him. So Axe Woves, okay. And look, there was Mercedes. Cosca uh, Reeves. Now, was she lying or misdirecting us about not being in season three? She definitely said, I'm not in season three. And then she made it seem like, like, I'm so disappointed and I would have loved to have been there. I mean, those quotes and those articles do exist, dating back to as far back as, I think, 2021. I didn't know sidekicks were allowed to talk. <laughs> All of that isn't the quite calling the stiffling slimy. All right, then we get, I don't know, what was this? Was this supposed to be Romeo and Juliet in space? I did not like the star-crossed lovers thing. First, with the tentacles to the face, I get the feeling that they're trying to reach out to a different audience with that. I, I don't want to say too much. 
Um, Axe Woves says something about Pleasure 15. Plazier 15, I think he said. I don't know about the 15, but Plazier, it's not spelled the same. I checked the closed captioning. Plazier means pleasure. So I heard Pleasure 15. And listen, this Quarren captain, she loved this Mon Calus so much. Loves him so much that she goes right back to the captain's chair right after. She's like, you got to go. I mean, the whole bit was just awkward. It didn't play out as like pulling my heartstrings or, oh my gosh, I hope they get together. No, it wasn't anything like that. Then we get right into the slate. It says, guns for hire. And I'm like, all right. You know, guns for hire. We're, we're, let's strap in. We're ready for a wild ride. And then we're, they're, they're going in to the atmosphere. There's a domed city. We've seen that in either trailers or, uh, promotional stuff. So we've seen that. I'm, I'm thinking, all right, we're, this is where the Mandalorians are hiding out and they're starting this domed city. But then there's Imperial droids. So then I, I think, okay, all right, now we're getting into this Imperial Remnant that is siding with Moff Gideon. It's going to be Moff Gideon. They're going to show up and look who it is. It's going to be Moff Gideon. No. Join us. Come. It's a party. <laughs> Come. Everyone, special guests, Mandalorians. I hope you like secretions. Take a little sip, sip. Come, please. Not Moff Gideon. Jack Black as Captain Bombardier. And who's that with him? <laughs> At least it's not Nicki Minaj. I, look, if you're a fan of Lizzo, great. But it looked like she was wearing Mickey Mouse ears. She was over the top. Jack Black always plays an over top over the top character. I don't know if this is a guy that was from Legend stuff. I mean, not reading any of that leaves me at a disadvantage. I don't know if this is a character from somewhere else, but I just don't understand. I mean, he's wearing an amnesty lapel pin, um, just like Elia Kane was or Elia Kane was. So I don't know what to think about this guy. Was he some horrible guy? I guess he's not if he's with this uh, woman. And by the way, her name is the Duchess. Like, so they're in a dome city, and her name is the Duchess. We still haven't heard uh, if there's any reference to Satine in live action, but they have this woman playing the Duchess. It just, this is just so weird. And then, were they having them steal Grogu there? I thought, oh no, I mean, he's going to go over to them, and now he's going to be a hostage. I felt like I was waking up to a fever dream. <laughs> it just was so, so weird. And then we see Christopher Lloyd. And I felt immediately like, well, this is going to be the bad guy, isn't he? I mean, it really felt like that. But this was like almost the story of Wally. You know, all these droids are are um, are are having problems. And we're hearing... That the rich people just don't want to do any work, so the they're it, it really just felt like a a scene out of Wally or something like that. And then we go to Ugnots from Christopher Lloyd, and I was like, oh, remember Quill? 
And then I started thinking, ooh, are these going to be disgruntled Ugnaughts who are tampering with the robots? I, th- I thought, okay, I'm back on board. And then, and then, <laughs> and then he drops, he name drops Queel. How does he know? I went, I had to go back and look at all of the dialogue from chapters one and two of the series. And you know, Queel never said, oh, I'm from Plazir 15 or anything like that. So isn't this kind of racist that he just named, he name drops Queel just to, to random Ugnaughts? Do they all know everybody? I, it just, I don't know. I I also have a note, 100% that was Misty Rosas there playing the female Ugnaught. And uh, I went and checked the credits, and yeah, it was. I mean, I feel like she's easy to spot now. And I like how Din is now respecting this culture. So at in Chapter 2, he when he met Queel... He was being really standoffish with the Jawas, right? He was like, I don't care. I just give me my stuff back. And then Queel was like, hey, no, no. Barter with, you know, like talk with them. And so now he's kind of learned that lesson. Maybe it was easy for him to make that transition because these were other Ugnaughts. Maybe that, maybe seeing that they were Ugnaughts, you know, flipped a switch for him and said, oh, okay, so I, I have to reason with them and not insult them. So, I like that. I mean, it seemed very bounty huntery. You know, he's getting what he wants without having to always fight for it. You had me at battle droids. And then I thought, all right, they're going to see these battle droids. Are we going to get a flashback with Din seeing these B2 battle droids and like having PTSD or something? Nope. Wasted opportunity. I mean, he's kicking them and stuff and he's kind of disrespecting the battle droids and there's a difference between battle droids to me and just any droids. Remember, I mean, at the beginning of the series, he, he didn't like any droids. And it's reasonable for me if he doesn't like the battle droids, but is okay with some of the other droids. Although, he didn't really treat the droids in the droid bar later with any respect either. And then we get this foot race scene. But where is this battle droid going? I mean, why would this droid... Choose to react to Din Djarin and give itself away. Did he think he was going somewhere and he was going to get away? I, I think later it's not really that they have a sense of what they're doing. I I, I liked the Cagney and Lacey kind of thing. The the uh, I don't know the the detectives on the on the hunt. You know NYPD Blue or. Uh, LA Law or CSI or Law and Order. I mean, I I liked that, and I liked the, the, the I liked how we see the crime scene develop too. Uh, so there were parts of it I was like, oh, that's that's cute, that's fun. But then we go to the droid bar, and I was wrong last week. I mean, there I, I seem to remember there was the scenes in the trailer. I, I thought, oh, we've we've seen everything, right? Well, there was the scene in the droid bar. And then there was the scene of them coming in on the Dome City. So, or maybe it was just pictures. I, I don't remember where those were. But I feel like now, at least, we've seen all of the scenes that there are to see from the trailers and the promotional stuff. I, but I'm not 100% sure anymore. Because I was totally sure last week. And now I'm not so sure. But who is this dialogue for that we're hearing in the bar? Like, what... 
life lesson is Favreau trying to teach me about being grateful when the droid is talking to the droid bartender is talking to him like look listen we are just trying to you know survive down here i mean we need your help we don't want to be replaced we still have a lot to contribute human life is so short they don't ask that much of us organics created us it's the least we can do You know, every time it felt like it was going somewhere that that gave me a little bit of interest, I feel like I was I started reading into it and I was I started paying attention and I felt like okay, I don't understand what we're trying to be told here. I mean, there's got to be some lesson maybe. You know, at the beginning of the episode, we had Mandalorian splitting up a happy couple and you know, at the end of the episode, we're going to have Mandalorians uniting, all right? So what is this stuff in the middle with the detective and then droids have... It's almost like they're saying droids have feelings, but we don't have feelings. And Din Djarin is being really disrespectful to these droids. For what reason? Especially when we've seen him have some growth in previous seasons. And now why is he suddenly... Like, he's the bad cop here. I would have liked it more if they would have swapped off being bad cop or good cop. I... It just felt awkward. There was no real clear sense of direction for me. And I just didn't understand who the, who the dialogue was for in the bar. Like, who, who are you trying to reach? And then, okay, we go from there to a droid morgue. Which, like, it was this a, 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 a generic lab tech or a coroner or something? Or, like, is this the time when they, in the L.A., or in LA Law, the Law and Order episode where they go and they, you know, they talk to the the corner or whoever it is, the, the lab tech, and then they say, and then we, you know, of course, that's exactly what happens. They find this, it's like a basically a matchbook or something like that, and they bring the matchbook to the lab tech for <laughs> to find out what, and now they, they look under the mic- microscope or whatever it is, and it's, there's no blood. So, so it's like in the oil and it's rewriting their, their programming. So like, what are we supposed to now? Oh, uh, alcohol is bad for people because this synthetic thing is, uh, you know, is bad for the droids. But it, I almost felt like I was getting brought back on board. Oh my goodness. They're going to have a virus. It's going to be a computer virus. And oh, you know, there's maybe they'll bring in slicing or they'll mention slicing or, Something like that. Like, I was just ready for something else. And then it was just... No, this is Nepenthe, which is... I. It's from the Odyssey. It's like the drug that they use to wipe away their feelings or their emotions. So, were droids doing drugs to wipe away memories? Do droids feel? Like, do do androids have, dream of electric sheep kind of a thing? I, this is what I thought the Phantom Menace, though should have done with droids. I thought, I always thought Jar Jar's place should have been eliminated. It should have been C-3PO being an outcast for this underground collective of droids that ended up being discarded by their Naboo owners, and then they're looking for purpose, and he's an outcast, and then he helps the Jedi, and then the Jedi end up, you know, bringing the, the not disgruntled, but the, you know, the lost 
droids out of hiding from underneath Naboo. And, you know, everybody lives uh, happily or, or, you know, it's a success or something like that. And then that might explain a little bit about why there's always this, you know, do droids have uh, rights or do droids not have rights? No, there was none of that here. It was just a thing to move the plot along. It almost was like the midichlorians for me with this. I was like, oh my gosh, there's writing on the thing. Oh, it's it's code. And it, I, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be great. It could be an outbreak. There could be a big problem. It could tie into Moff. I thought, is this Moff Gideon like putting his thing? Or is the ca- captain or whatever is Bombardier? Is Does he have something to do with All of this was wasted opportunities. It was just a, it was almost like it was a gag. I mean, they could have done something with this synthetic stuff from the Techno Union that helps droids forget programming or whatever. And then you could use that to say or to explain why K2SO was able to, you know, the the programming was able to be overcome with K2SO. Nope. None of that. That's it. They solved it. They go back to Christopher Lloyd. And I mean, I guess you can't ask him to make a run for it. But this, like, oh, don't, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shut down all the droids. Like, what? They don't care. They're just there to do a job. You, you are much more likely, if he was saying this in front of the Duchess and the Captain, you were much more likely. Because they even said earlier in the episode, like, can't we just shut them down? And it was like, no, no, you can't do that. So he's talking to people that already said, hey, let's just shut them down. So what do you... What was he hoping to to accomplish with this? I mean, I liked... I, I thought it was cool. We get to see he's a separatist. So, I, I guess that meant he has to name drop Count Dooku. And I was 100% sure I said he was going to about to say Skywalker when he got tased, wasn't he? And then we go... And then we go back to Alice in Wonderland at the croquet game or something. like, And even, like I said... Lizzo looked like she was wearing Mickey Mouse ears, but it could have also been a heart and she could have been the Red Queen, you know, the Queen of Hearts. I I really just don't understand. Did we need this giant key and this knighting ceremony? What what was going on? I mean, I forgot why I should care that they were going to recognize Mandalore and her claim to it or whatever it was that she promised. In order and as payment to help them out, I, I I was a little shocked at how little I enjoyed myself during this episode. It was brutal is not the way to put it. Like I didn't hate this episode. I didn't think this was the worst episode I've ever seen. It's just terrible. I mean, it might be the worst episode of The Mandalorian, but that's because it didn't it didn't fully commit to this. Uh, kooky, whimsy stuff. And it also didn't give me what I expected, which was advancing this story about, you know, we just heard at the end of last episode, Moff Gideon escaped. And now we are back with Mandalorians, and we heard, do, do you think Mandalorians did it? And now there was nothing, it, we spun our wheels, which is fine. Like, you don't have to have every episode. I like uh, an episode of the week where you're you're going and you're doing something. And this was very Mandalorian first season where they go somewhere, they want to do something, and then they have to do a favor for somebody. This that That is very on-brand for season one. 
like episode five or episode six. It, it was the the prison transport episode. So I guess you could still have. And then we went back to the story. So there's two episodes left. It, it, that's just what I'm saying is like I was a little shocked with okay we're going there now in this season we could have done this I guess we could have done this earlier or like in be- before last episode or they could have swapped it around a little bit but we're going to do this now and we're finally going to get our episode of the week or our villain of the week kind of a thing now because like I I, I had to look at the time how much time was left in the episode I was like we're 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 only now going to the Mandalorians and I was thinking, I hope they don't just make them fight. Like, is, is this going to be what it is? Like, she's going to go there. He's going to say, uh, you know, I challenge you. And that's exactly what they did. And the duel to me, like, it was a little boring or a little unbelievable. I, I don't know. It was like, he doesn't really respect her at all, right? He, they, they, none of them do. They left her. And now suddenly... She's going to win this duel, and now they're going to respect her. Like, did she not? Did they not have a duel when they left? Did they just leave? And if you can just do that at any point, like just get fed up with someone and just leave, then you're not really, I mean, you're not really a, a cohesive unit. And <laughs> every podcaster had to have said after episode two. Uh, the Minds of Mandalore, chapter 18, they all, every every one of us had to say, okay, it, it, exactly what Din Djarin said about the Darksaber in the Minds of Mandalore episode. Like, wait, doesn't she now, isn't she now the rightful owner? She showed proficiency with it. He got captured. It was thrown away. And she, you know, she literally, you know, reached out to grab it with her, with her, her uh, grapple. Isn't it hers now? That's what we all, that's, I have to believe that that's what everybody said. Like, well, now she's the rightful owner of it, right? And, but she ended up giving it back to him in there. And I was like, this is how this is wrapping up for real? What is even happening? I should be cheering about a hero moment. Like, Bo-Katan has, like, got respect. Then she got, uh, respect from the armorer. She was, was tapped by the armorer, basically foreseeing the vision of the mythosaur as being the next leader and now she's getting what she wanted the dark saber she well she wanted that in chapter 16 and so now she's finally getting it six episodes later she's getting the dark saber back but no one asks for proof there's there's no challenging like they just said axe woes was just like he's not even a mandalorian right which I, I, I'm proud that she stood up for him. I, I think that was great. That was a good moment. But no one is going to challenge, like, you're, you came with this guy. And now suddenly this guy is like, oh, wait. No, it's not even mine. Here, let me hand it over to you in front of them. It wasn't like she had it on her hip. And he had already been like, oh, no, she she won it. She She took it from... No, he literally hands it over in front of them. And no one's got a problem with this. So we're not even, we're either not getting a meaningful conflict with Moff Gideon in this season. Like it must be that we're just all leading up to season four, like chapter 24 or yeah, 
23 is next week, and then 24 is the finale. Chapter 24 is going to be the reveal. Mo- we're finally going to meet Moff Gideon. Or maybe we, we see him next episode, and then they confront him in Chapter 24. And then it's going to be the next season that everything goes down. Otherwise, it's going to be feel so rushed. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm worked up. I actually, I worked myself up just reciting my own notes. But there's only two episodes left. And I did take a look at the cast listings after. I was like, maybe there's a nugget in there. And usually I do that only for the discussion podcast. And maybe I, now I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. The Corin captain was Christine Adams. And she is our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. alumni. And I love finding those little nuggets there. She's been in other stuff too, and I'm sure she's much more popular for some of her other stuff, but that's the one that I noticed, just because I, for some reason, way, way back, that's what I went to look for. I went to look for that connection between, you know, TV shows, and back then, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. either was still going on in 2019 or 2018, whenever The Mandalorian started, or it was wrapping up, or... Maybe I just thought that that was going to be a working connection for them, especially since John Favreau has the the ties to Marvel and Iron Man and stuff. But Christine Adams, the Quarren Captain, the lover of the nobleman, who was Harry Holland, and I think he got his job by working with John Favreau on Spider-Man: No Way Home. They both worked together on that movie. Uh, Dale Dickey played Cypher, and I know that that is the female Ugnaught. Uh, so she voiced Cypher because Misty Rosas, Rosas did the performance. And then Chris Bartlett's in there. He's a Star Wars veteran. He's done a lot of protocol droid work, especially C-3PO in, in most of the recent stuff. He did the performance for RA-7, but that wasn't... The Blue Protocol Droid. That was a different actor. And then there's Joanna Bennett, Barry Lowen, David St. Pierre, all names that I've mentioned before doing performance. Seth Gable was the bartender droid voice, but I don't recognize him. And then Jen Kober is the lab tech. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh Uh-oh. It's not good. Those are my initial thoughts on Season 3, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian. I didn't hate it. I just didn't like it. (laughs) It's going to feel like work for the first time, I think, in a long time. Getting this discussion podcast note taking and collecting all the audio and stuff like that. It's going to feel like work and not a a joy. I'm going to try to focus more on the positives. But for right now, so soon after seeing it, I can't think of many. Now, if you have thoughts on the episode, you disagree with me, you think... Hey, you're not being fair to it. Well, I already acknowledge that I'm not really completely being fair because I had expectations. I've already said that, right? But maybe you have a reason why you liked it. Uh, Maybe you think that this is the most Star Wars-y Star Wars that Star Wars has ever been. I'm going to disagree with you, but I, I acknowledge that not everybody shares my opinion. And I'm fine with that. Social media, great way to interact with us. I tweet a lot the first day that the episode is out, and then I tweet a lot when I'm collecting notes and things. You can find out where to connect with me by checking out our list of links 
at Linktree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash this is the way pod. And if you don't, well, then I'll just continue to put out these episodes and talk into the void, I guess. But thank you for listening to This Is The Way Podcast's first impressions of Season 3, Episode 6 of The Mandalorian, Chapter 22, Guns for Hire. I'm your host, Steve Lascazzo. May the Force be with you, always. Always.